Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. And I remember him walking out of his office, walking past my cubicle, going into her office and closing the door. And then four or five minutes later, he comes out and my phone rings. Dan, can I see you in my office? Today on episode 563 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of We Grow Media, Dan Blank. Dan had an idea that helped define his niche as he went from corporate employee to his own business, where he has provided thousands of writers and creative professionals the ability to better share their stories and connect with readers. I'm going to ask Dan how he developed his unique model and built his business around it and much more. You can find out more about Dan along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Dan Blank. Dan is the founder of wegrowmedia.com, where he helps writers develop a human-centered approach to marketing and reaching their readers. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Dan, the evolution of your career is a really compelling story, particularly for high-achieving professionals that yearn to make an impact with their creativity. And in addition to the fact that you have done such a great job in your business, um, you've also done a really superb job of describing it on your website. In preparing for our discussion today, I was really struck by a few things that I saw. One is the images and the graphics on your website. Second is how you summarize your journey, starting with your childhood. And just to give one example of the the images, on your site, in the images of you and your workspace, there's a typewriter on your desk. There's an antique typewriter behind you. And there's a phone, but not only is it a phone. It's not the kind of phone that's commonly used now. It's an old dial phone that many people today have probably never seen, or maybe they've seen it in a museum. So I was wondering, what kind of impression are you trying to achieve in the way you have laid out your story? Part of it is this idea of, it's funny, I think that when I first started out, you're putting up a bit more of a false brand because you want to be seen as as someone in a certain way. The things I share now are the things that really are things I'm interested in. So that photo is clearly staged a bit because I'm not actually getting a phone call on the old rotary dial phone. I think it's this idea that I'm obsessed with how we create and how we communicate. And I love old things. And whenever I think about working with a writer or creator about what does it mean to, to communicate what you're about? What does it mean to reach someone through marketing? I very much look historically as well, this idea of what would have worked in 1968, 1948, 2021. And I think that that kind of imagery or those kind of objects just reflect my interest in that way. It's not just all about the latest little tweak that LinkedIn made. It's this perspective of appreciating creativity in the creative process going back through history. So meaning that the creative process is a process that bears lots of similarity to other time periods when it has been used. The tools that we might use to connect with our audience through our creative process have changed over time. 
and, and through marketing. So the way that I talk about marketing, I've got this phrase I use a lot called human-centered marketing. But it's this idea that, that what draws someone in are these psychological triggers and these ways that are baked into who we are as people. So we think about, you know, what would have drawn someone into a conversation yesterday or 40 years ago? There are clearly some things that are updated. There are things we can do on Instagram that we never could have dreamed of 20 years ago. But this idea of how do you reach people? How do you think about who you're engaging? How do you communicate what you're about? There are things that people forget that are baked into how we would have written a headline 50 years ago, how we would have run an event 120 years ago. And I think appreciating that, I think, allows people a lot broader view of what does it mean to grow their business and connect with more people. Uh, so what are some of the ways that people forget to use So one is just the idea of one-to-one -one outreach, this idea of sending someone an email, sending someone a thank you email, which is inherently like an old-fashioned letter in some ways. So we always think nowadays about, oh, you know, maybe someone's doing a newsletter, they're doing a social media strategy, they're going to do an Instagram Live. But this idea of just saying, I'm going to send someone an email, or I'm going to reach out to someone for a conversation. These are things that I think people they don't do as much because we're sold this idea that everything has to go viral, that, well, if I do that, I'm emailing one person. But if I post it on Instagram, I could get 48 likes or 448 likes. And I think that something is missing if you are a, a creator or you're launching a business. You don't have colleagues. There's something wrong there. And this is something that I work with. I mean, I work with people on a wide range of strategies, but that's one of them, that idea of really attending to professional relationships, forging them, but also maintaining them. Mm. Okay. What are some of the other ways that people are missing the boat when it comes to marketing their creativity? Sometimes it's about this idea of they're so focused on what they're marketing, they forget that people... They're interested in an experience. They come to you with interests and challenges. So I always think of, I grew up as the art kid. And I've always viewed this idea of creative work, and I think this extends to business, as 50% of it is what you, the creator, intended with your book or your song. But art is complete when someone experiences it. And if I'm in the middle of a stadium, when we're allowed to do that, and I'm, I'm watching Bruce Springsteen on stage and there's 30, 40, 50,000 people around me all singing the words to a song. Half of that is clearly what Bruce created. But each of us comes to it from a different angle. If we're talking about loneliness or running away or coming together, the context is unique to every person in that audience. They have a unique history with that song or with that idea. And I think that this is often we think about marketing. It's the idea of... How do you lead with generosity? How do you focus on promoting the work of other people? How do you, you know, something you're doing here, you're interviewing. That's a very interesting way of connecting with someone because we're having a long conversation, one where you have a lot of, and I think this is positive, a lot of control over that, and you present that. And I think that's a very powerful way to do that. I was talking to a writer this morning saying, you know, oftentimes maybe we'll do something like, oh, we want to build colleagues if you're a writer. So someone who's in your genre might be having a, a book launch coming out. And you note in your calendar, oh, on a certain date, you know, tweet about their book coming out. 
but you can go further. You can buy 10 copies and do a giveaway. You can do a week-long celebration of that author. You can go down to the local food store and print out a cake with a photo of their book on the cover. Like all these food stores do that. It's not that expensive. And put that on Instagram. If you really want to celebrate someone, if you really want to get their attention, there's all these silly things and the idea of baking a cake and decorating it a certain way. That's one of these things that there's a lot of people that do that online, but that's something you could have done 50 years ago in some ways. And this is what goes that extra mile and it's what gets more attention. Actually, let's talk a little bit more about the one-to-one outreach to colleagues. Because one of the things that I hear from so many consultants is fear of reaching out to people that they perceive of as competitors. And I'm of the mind that particularly for consultants, which is a, a service business that's very unique about the the skills and experiences of the consultant. So I'm of the belief that no two consultants do things the same way. And that even somebody that you might perceive of as being a direct competitor is still doing things a little differently than you. And it pays to have a conversation with that person. I wonder what your take is on this. I totally agree. And I think there's a real mindset shift where people worry about success. If you've convinced yourself that there's a zero-sum game in your niche, your industry, where there can't possibly be you and the competitor succeeding, then either you have really picked a very odd niche where that's the case, or it's more about your own limiting belief. And that when you free yourself of that, it changes everything because you realize, and this is again, where I like looking broadly, you look at, you know, plumbers, tree servicing companies, your town should be able to support five, 10 different plumbing services just from that town or did that from that region. And when you do that, you start realizing that these are people who help each other. It turns it from something that is this thing where you're always fighting, always zero sum, always a risk to something where you have colleagues, you can have a network, you can actually be encouraging that. And I think it's a it's not just that it can lead to business growth, which I think it can. It also leads to a lot more fulfillment. And I think when you shift that narrative, a lot of opportunities open up that you never would have thought of before. Even go back to that example, what if the competitor comes out with a book or a promotion instead of you beating yourself up about it, being terrified of it? What if you said, hey, you know what? This is great for a very certain kind of customer. I'm going to actually promote this for them and I'm going to limit it. But this idea, what if, you know, what if I did that? What if I'm helping my customers by educating them that way? You don't have to do that every time, but it, it changes entirely how you think about what it means to be serving your customers and what your marketplace looks like. Yeah, for sure. Dan, how did you learn some of these principles and techniques that you use? Um, a lot of different places. Some of it, you know, I did grow up as the art kid and that was my whole life. I was going to art school, lots of weird artsy projects. My friends my whole life have been the dancers, the painters, all of that. My degrees in communications and mass media, so part of it was in college. But then I was a part of the dot-com 1.0 bubble in New York City, working at a series of startups back then. And that was really interesting because that felt very Wild West about what is it to market these dot-com 1.0 companies. And then I was inside a large media company, a large publisher for about a decade. And the beautiful thing about that is that I carved out a special little role for myself 
where I was helping to spearhead the blogging and social media strategy for about 50 different magazine brands. And that was amazing because I got to work with a number of different editorial teams. These are very traditional magazines, very traditional roles. And I got to work in different industries, helping them figure out how they do online. Because blogging was, it was a, a revolutionary thing to them. They felt threatened by it. The idea of having comments was threatening. The whole idea of social media, again, it felt threatening to a lot of people. So where I learned a lot of this in practice was working with dozens of different teams to implement it in different industries. Then, of course, beyond that, um, my company is now 10 years old of doing this full time. So it's a lot of just in the trenches work, you know, one on one with with writers. And that tends to be how I work, where it's not just doing a presentation for several hundred people. It's partnering with the client and doing that work. And of course, totally obsessing about it in my spare time. Mm. Dan, what caused you to leave employment and start your own business? So when I was around 37 years old, I did this exercise that I now actually write a a fair amount about my blog. I call it clarity cards now. Though the short of it is I basically just wrote down all of my priorities and goals on a series of index cards And I arranged them in a pyramid. So my biggest goal was on the top. And then, you know, going down, there was 10 cards in total. And at the time, I worked for a corporation. And I knew that they would be divesting our division. And it would eventually close that division. We were about to have our first kid. And I just knew that I wanted to try my own business. But I had no idea what it was. And my top card at the time was family. It was this idea of I actually at the time wanted to be a stay-at-home dad. My wife was a a tenured art teacher. She loved her job. So we sort of took a risk and we said, okay, let's try this out. You know, we're going to have the kid in August. My job ended in July. And then I started doing consulting on the side with writers. And it took a little while to feel it out. But it was just this idea that I knew at the time, if I don't make this leap now, before we have our kid, before we have a mortgage, I am never going to do it. Because when I'm 47, have a kid or maybe two, have a mortgage, have another car payment, there's no way I can take this kind of risk. So it really felt like this was an opportunity not for safety, but if I was ever going to do it now, it's the time to do it. So that was the impetus for the leap. And how did it work out? ridiculously well. And and I don't say that just from the fact that it's a 10-year business. It is the only thing that supports my family for all of those 10 years and it's worked out well. It's also this idea that I love what I do. I love working with writers and creators. I love, as I said, they used the phrase before, being in the trenches with them where this is work that it's not where if I stayed in the corporate end of things where you start kind of going up the ladder and now you're managing teams, you're managing processes, and you're maybe distant from the work that you love. Every day I'm working with people who truly love what they are doing. And that's why I like working with with the author, with the creator. And more than that, it feels like it's helped me grow. And I, I think that's probably part of being out on your own is that you do always feel a bit like you're dangling on the edge. You are always focused on how you're going to grow. You're thinking about, have you diversified what you do well enough? Have you communicated what you do well enough? You were very kind of saying you liked how I communicate what I do on my website. 
And that's, you know, every six to 12 months, I'm going back through the website, I'm combing through it, I'm trying to improve it. And 10 years of that, it's sort of like honing this sculpture in some ways. So for me personally, I feel like it's worked out really well. And you mentioned that at the beginning, you were feeling your way and trying to figure out, I'm guessing what was going to work in your business or who you were going to serve. Yeah. How did that process unfold and how did you actually land on a particular niche? So when I was still in the company I worked for, I started an email newsletter with the company's permission inside the company. So we had a normal corporate newsletter and then I wanted to start one about how the web is changing publishing. So I sent it around to nine people in the company. And one of them was one of the, the lawyers in the company, a really wonderful guy. And he said, you have to send this to the CEO. I think he's going to like it. I said, no way, because <laughs> that felt like, you know, you don't stick your neck out like that in a big corporation. And he just said, look, if you don't, I'm going to. So figure it out. <laughs> so that's my boss. She said it was she said it was OK. And, and I remember this where I sat in a cubicle near the corporate offices. So I remember with her permission, I clicked send, you know, went, made sure what I was emailing him was approved by her. And I remember him walking out of his office, walking past my cubicle, going into her office and closing the door. And then four or five minutes later, he comes out and my phone rings. Dan, can I see you in my office? It's my boss. I literally at this point think I just got myself fired because I thought, you know, you you stuck your neck out and this is not appreciated always in a corporate structure. I got lucky. He was very visionary in moving the company forward in digital ways. And she said he's going to be sending it to all employees, encouraging them to sign up, which was an enormous stroke of luck. So I ended up growing a sizable newsletter presence in the company. As it was obvious the company would be ending, I transitioned that to an external newsletter. And during that time, I also started a blog and I started on Twitter. So when I launched my company in 2010, I had a presence online. I had a pretty wide network because not just I worked across so many different brands, but because I was sharing a public blog. I was sharing ideas on on Twitter. I was showing up to events. So what I did at first is I just put out my shingle. I said, you know, hey, I'm on my own. I'm, you know, I've trained all these people in blogging and with websites and web analytics and with, you know, writing content and social media. And I just sort of saw who within my network would hire me, which was really interesting because I'm getting a lot of data about what do people hire for. So I took what I could get really, and that was learning what do people hire for. And by the way, what, so what did you hear initially? What did they want? Some of it was, you know, oh, you know, I, w- I want to redo my website. So you're thinking, okay, they know how to pay you for a website. But of course, the work I was doing was much more about how do they frame who they are? How do we write their homepage? How do we write their bio? How do we explain what they do? They want to do blogging. Okay. I was just on call with a writer today too, where, you know, they think of like, I'll do a quarterly newsletter. And it's like, No. You know, you've got to do something more frequent than that. You know, you're trying to put your message out there. So getting an editorial calendar down. Um, So a lot of it was that very tactical stuff at first. And then a Dutch company reached out to me. They had heard about me just through my blog. And they wanted me to run a a two-day workshop for their senior team on blogging and social media, the digital web. 
And at the time we had the baby at home and I said, look, you know, I don't really travel. If you want to come to my little town in New Jersey, let's talk. And they said, yes. So they flew out here (laughs) and we ran a two day workshop at a local hotel. I mean, like a mile from where I live. And it was terrifying because it meant a day I had to do a two day schedule. It was about the theory. It was about strategy. And I think that was the first big strategy thing that I really taught. And it was really incredible where you had to take on that responsibility, not just because they're paying you, not just because it's a senior team. They literally flew halfway around the world to be here for that. And I think the biggest sigh of relief I ever let out was, I remember right when it ended, I went to the bathroom and just let out the sigh of relief just because it was that responsibility. And the company's just starting out and like, I wanted to live up to it. I wanted to blow them away. And that really taught me a lot that anyone would consider me for that kind of work. And it, every client I had taught me something new about what they wanted, how to work with them, and then what I was capable of. And what would you say is the core of what your ideal client wants today? So inherently, this is someone who is a writer or creator of some sort. And it's this idea that part of what they're building is their identity. They probably don't call it that. They might say, that's my newsletter, it's my online strategy, social media strategy. But really, this is about feeling that you are communicating who you are and what you care about. And the other thing is feeling that you know how to engage an audience, how you can grow an audience. This idea of, well, great, I know how to create something, but gosh, there's so much out there. And I go on Twitter, I go on Instagram, it's, it's this, this flood of people. How do I, you know, in their view, they might say, get attention. How do I launch a book? I work on a lot of book launches. You know, how do I grow a social media presence? So it's that type of work, which is how do we really communicate who you are and what you're about? How do we understand who your ideal reader is, who your ideal audience member is? And then how do we launch a marketing campaign or do a book launch that gives your work the best shot where we know who you're going to reach out to and we're finding really compelling ways to engage with people? So it tends to be in those three buckets of messaging, audience development, and launches. It sounds um, fascinating how your career has unfolded, how your business has evolved, and how you have really become um, an expert in in a particular niche. Where do you want your business to go, Dan? What's your vision? It's a great question. It's one I ask myself probably once a year and was just going through that because of the 10-year anniversary. What I come up with is... On the one hand, I'm living my ideal life. I work either from home or a studio, you know, on the other side of town, I live in a very small town. <laughs> so I'm present in the life of my family. And I love the work that I do. Like I said, I work with the people who care about what they do. And it, it is thrilling and I learn from them. And it's, it's deeply engaging. My life is filled with creators. The way that I've been thinking about challenging myself for the next 10 years is thinking about what am I creating that is bigger than me? So I'm going to keep doing this work, but what is it that can grow beyond that? I am a writer as well. Will there be a series of books? Will I be doing events? One thing I've looked at a lot is things have moved online as the world has shut down in many ways because of all the recent events. You know, there is something very special about events. Is that something I could do something with? I've had a podcast for years, but it's a hobby. 
Um, but I love doing it. And I love interviewing. Is that something I'd want to grow? So I think it's that idea of honing what I'm doing now and be doing better and better at it. But then thinking about what can I be doing in 10 years from now that's that's bigger than me. And I'm sketching that out, but I haven't fully landed on it yet. I do think it's going to be something around writing <laughs> and books because that's in my nature. But it's those two edges that I'm playing with right now. Well, congratulations on everything you've built. Good luck on what comes next. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything you've shared today, Dan, or they want to learn more or access any resources you have, where would they go? Yeah, go to my website, wegrowmedia.com. Right on the homepage, I, I've sent out a weekly newsletter every Friday for 15 years. Sign up right on the homepage. You can also see the blog archives. Uh, my podcast archives are there. I do a new, a new episode every week. And on social media, I'm at Dan Blank on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Sounds great. Well, Dan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and sharing your story, your insights, a lot about your experiences. My guest today has been the founder of WeGrowMedia.com, Dan Blank. Thank you again, Dan, for joining us. Thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at SmashingThePlateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can build a following for your creativity and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.